0: Hello, I'm Suzanne Caprell, and this is Chanel and Muck Boots Conversations with Extraordinary Women Who Are Your Neighbors, Co-Workers, Family Members, and Friends. These women are beautiful, wise, badass, resilient, have guts, and they get it done. Here are their stories. Today's guest is Cassandra Coleman, and uh, Cassandra is the special advisor to the governor's office. Now, this is for Governor Tom Wolf, Pennsylvania. This is exciting for me because I've been following you for the last several years, and I just find your, your professional life and your personal life uh, fascinating and, and awe-inspiring in some cases. Tell us about your experience when you became mayor of your hometown (laughs) at the age of 20 because i could still see the headlines i can still hear the news reports i mean it was big it was a really big deal back then
1: yeah so thank you for having me i'm I'm honored to be here and you know it's it's funny because now that i think about it it was 12 years ago (laughs) (laughs) and it seems like forever ago but it also seems like yesterday Yes.
0: you're you're, you're a girl (laughs) i know
1: (laughs) You know, and that's funny because that's, that was a lot of the pushback that I got was she's this young female. Yeah. Um. So, you know, my grandfather spent 30 years um, in public service, um, council president and mayor, Um. God rest his soul, but he was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor in office. So throughout my life um, to that point, my grandfather and I were very close. Yeah. I was one of, the only one out of nine grandchildren who had any liking for politics. Um, so he took me under his wing very early. I sat on junior council with him as mayor, which was very special um, my junior year of high school. So junior council was a program that Exeter Borough used to have okay. um, that they would actually offer a junior in, within Wyoming area and an Exeter resident the option to represent the Exeter juniors, on Exeter Council, so you got to sit up with um with the council members in council chambers. You got to sit through meetings. You got to give a report on what was going on in the high school. Oh my gosh, um, it was a really cool program. And actually, I don't believe they they have it anymore. I knew they had it a couple of years after I I um, actually went through it, but um, it was a great program. Um, and I encourage you know boroughs out there to look into it because again, it gives. Students who have any sort of interest in government, Mm -hmm. the opportunity to take part in government. Um, So I I had the opportunity to do that with my grandfather. Um, And then so, again, he was diagnosed in office um, and it was past practice in the borough that should somebody pass away within office, they would ask a family member, appoint a family member to fulfill their term. Uh, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, my mom had no interest in that whatsoever. So my grandfather, before he had passed away, had asked if anybody was going to fulfill his term. It'd be me. Wow. That <laughs> I was 20. Wow. So I actually was sworn in as mayor of Borough, appointed to fulfill his term in October of 2008. I was a junior at King's College. And, you know, it, it was a a bittersweet obviously experience at that point but it was so interesting because i was still going through college courses i was going (laughs) through public administration i was going through intergovernmental you know yes and you know it was funny because then my professors all whom i you know adored at king's all you know then started referring me as mayor and as we'd go through different scenarios within public administration you know they'd say hey Mayor, did you have to deal with the RFP process yet? Hey. So I was living it and learning about it at the same time. It was was really, really um, an experience for sure. But I spent just about six and a half years as mayor. I was reelected twice before I left the borough to join the Wolf administration when the governor was. So you
0: were reelected twice. Did you how were you accepted as mayor at the age of 20?
1: So um you know when i go back and i talk to folks and i talk to young students who have interest in government it was not easy okay. um it wasn't you know and i think i had to learn to And I don't want to say fall into place, but learn I needed to prove myself Mm -hmm. to get that seat at the table and to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot more so than someone who may have been 40 or even 30 at that point. I mean, they they looked down. I certain folks. I don't want to I don't want to generalize that certain folks, I think, looked at my age and thought does she know you know and i've learned over time too and i wish that's one thing i wish i knew back then right and again you know with with age comes experience mm-hmm. but you know i wish i learned back then you know that you're not going to be the smartest person in the room right. and, that's okay. and that's okay but that it doesn't yeah. mean that you don't have something valuable to add to that conversation mm-hmm. and um you know now i know that and it's all about surrounding yourself with good people and realizing the things you are great at and realizing the things you're not so great at and being able to admit that and figure out how to get that done with from bringing in somebody else. So surround yourself with a great team. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to do something that you may not be so sure about, you know, and do a an C plus job, well, bring somebody in and do an A plus job with that's it.
0: That's right. And that's, that's important because you can't do everything hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. Like it's just not going to happen. And, right. And you know, you got to kind of, builds people, and and I always try to have people who are smarter than me or people Mm -hmm. who do a better job because then, as a team, you move forward. Yep, absolutely. You you accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Absolutely. Was there anything um, when you were serving as mayor that you found particularly frustrating that you wanted to fix and no matter what, it just wasn't going to work?
1: Honestly, I think... The fact that the mayor has a restricted role mm-hmm. is difficult.
0: Okay.
1: Um, you know, in the borough code, it's a strong, especially Exeter Borough, was a strong council, weak mayor. The mayor was in charge of the police department and was the tie-breaking vote. Okay. So it was frustrating because, again, you know... There were certain things that we wanted to do with the police department, but you still needed a majority vote to do that. You still needed a majority vote for different things to fund, different activities, different, anything you wanted to do. So you were in charge of the police department, but by code, you still needed, you know, you needed resolutions and votes in order to get things done or passed. So it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have to say, I, I, I had a great department. We worked very well together. And that was, that was another thing, you know, walking into a police department that were all males at the time, males who were the same age as my father, male, some, some gentlemen who happened to be even closer to my grandfather's age at that Mm -hmm. time, you know, and I was fearful walking into that. But I think one thing I learned and, and very, very quickly with those, with those guys was they respected me. I respected them, but I also looked to them for guidance on different issues that I didn't know about. Um, but they were very respectful. And that was one thing I will I will never forget and I'll always cherish was the fact that they wanted me to be successful. So they were a great support team. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how did you get involved? Um, how were you approached by the Wolf administration?
1: So oddly enough, um, I spent four years working for Representative Mundy while I was in college. Yes. And then after I left Representative Monday in the House of Reps, I went and worked for Senator Casey. So I worked for Senator Casey for a few years and through Senator Casey was how I met Tom and Francis Wolfe. So the governor and I had spoken after the senator had won in 2012 and the governor had said, you know, I'm thinking about doing something. Um, So I had gone down to York to meet with him and I will never forget, it was um, like three hours we sat in his office and just talked. And I walked out of there and I called my father. I'll never forget on on I-83 on my way home. And I said, I'm going to go work for Tom Wolf." And my father goes, who the heck is Tom (laughs) Wolfe? And I said, he's going to be our next governor. And my father goes, we'll talk about this when you get home. And, you know, it was at that point that, again, after listening to the governor and all the ideas that he had, I knew he would make an amazing governor. Mm -hmm. And I like to joke and say he was an asterisk at the polls when I joined the team. I joined the governor in uh, March of 2013. So that was about 14, 15 months prior to the 2014 primary. So, I was one of his probably top, or excuse me, first three or four hires. Um, So, I've been with him from the very beginning. So, I was first hired as finance director. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, oddly enough, um, so I got married that year. And then became pregnant. So I was finance director through the primary in 2014, where I was five and a half months pregnant. So then I transitioned over to a deputy campaign manager role, where I was more localized. So I was more in like the northeast and central part of the state rather than statewide. Okay. So I finished out the campaign as deputy campaign manager. I had Jimmy, my son, Son. um, on the campaign in September of 2014 and actually was back about a week to 10 days after I had him on the campaign trail, not because I was forced, not because I didn't have the option to take off or be home. It was because I wanted to. to, I had a great pregnancy. I had a healthy delivery. So um, Jimmy, actually, and this is one of my favorite pictures in my office, Jimmy was a week old. Tom Wolf is holding him at one of the dinners we were at, and he has a Tom Wolf for Governor onesie on. (laughs) Um, So, you know, again, the governor's been amazing and uh, absolutely gave me, you know, the option to stay home and do. But I didn't want to. And I why, you know, if I felt good and I was so I went back and obviously then he had won, which was amazing. And so then I was approached to join the administration. So I joined in February of 2015 as the Northeast Regional Director.
0: And what do you do in that? What did you do in that role?
1: Sure. So over time, um, I actually ended up being the Northeast and Central Regional Director. Mm -hmm. But I was responsible for the Northeast and Central 28 counties. So pretty much New York to Maryland and everything in between. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we handled all of the constituency services and intergovernmental relations for the governor's office within those those communities and those towns. I always say, and my mother would kill me if I uh, if she heard me say this now, you know, again on air. But I never appreciated my parents as much as I do now that I'm a parent. Right. It's it's just one of those things where I would never be able to do what I do mm-hmm. without them without yeah, the support, without the support. Absolutely. so um, it's one of those things where I would never be able to do what I do without them
0: I just I, I want to mention I just think it's awesome that you have Jimmy with if you him. hear the
1: door opening a and closing he yeah a little whispering, <laughs> it's, a little whispering. It's,
0: it's actually really cool because he he sees what you do and, and mm. I can only imagine how proud he is of you
1: you know and that's that's one of the things it's hard I mean I'm on the road a lot yes. I'm gone a lot but it's one of those things where I just you know I look at it and I think I want him to see that he's a strong mom and you know in the future I want him to know that it's okay to you know hopefully get married and marry a strong spouse Absolutely. but also be supportive of that spouse mm-hmm. but just in general, you know, I want him to know that women can do anything men can do and women should have that same seat at the table That's that right. men have and who knows, you know, maybe he'll be up for a promotion and a job one day and maybe he'll have female colleagues who are questioning their qualifications, which us women decide, you know, do a lot, mm-hmm. um, a lot more than men, right. but I just hope that Jimmy's the one that'll sit there and say no, you know, and encourage them to pr- apply for that promotion that they're just as well qualified for as Absolutely. he is.
0: I want to back Backtrack a little bit because Mm -hmm. I want to talk about, you know, your your role now um, working with the governor Mm -hmm. and then also something very exciting that that um, a new opportunity for you that that is coming down the pike. But I'd like to back up um, and talk about your your life threatening condition that happened. Um, And it's it's very scary. Mm -hmm. And it pretty much came without warning. Absolutely. It was a blood clot. Mm -hmm. Multiple. Multiple blood clots. Mm -hmm. And you coded
1: I did multiple times. Um, so I had, um, I had actually had a knee injury in high school, mm-hmm. uh, blew out my entire knee. I had had a full reconstruction uh, back, probably in about two thousand four. I was in a my sophomore junior year in high school. So since then, I had had four surgeries. I had had the reconstruction. I had had some repairs, scopes. You know, um, so back in two thousand and twelve. Um, I just happened to step off my front step the wrong way, Mm -hmm. went down, and I knew it felt too much like it felt that original time that I blew it out. Um, So I ended up going in and having a pretty much full reconstruction again. Um, That was in December of 2012. After that surgery, um, and I think, think, looking back on it, I think I based a lot of, how I felt or how I should have felt on how I felt from those previous four, especially the full reconstruction that I had gone through. Yeah. So I had gone back to, um, my treating physician at that point multiple times and had said something's wrong. There's too much pain in my leg. I'm having this pain. I remember coming out of physical therapy and, crying to my mom because I'm like it's just not right. It doesn't feel like it felt that first time. It doesn't feel like it's getting stronger. I have all this pain kept going back, kept going back and you know, to be honest, here we go with age again, but it was you're 24, you're healthy. It, you know, just keep going through the therapy. So, I did. You were dismissed basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Um so they had then said, well, we think it's this syndrome we're going to go back in and we're going to operate. And I said, okay. And they said, well, the pain should be gone immediately. So I go in for a second surgery and they come out the next day, same pain, same nonsense, you know? So it was one of those things where, um, and now that I know what I know, you know, um, I just didn't feel right. And you know, when your body isn't right, um, and I just did not feel right, so I ended up um, March thirteenth of two thousand and thirteen. Um, my BlackBerry rang. I jumped out of bed to get it, and when I got to the phone, I realized that I couldn't breathe. Oh, um. So at that point, again, I didn't know about blood clots. I had no idea what a blood clot was. I was twenty-four. You know. So immediately, I thought to myself, I have pneumonia. I have pneumonia. And I remember walking down the steps and going into the bathroom and just looking in the mirror. And I had a gray t shirt on. And I remember the sweat mark just getting deeper and deeper into my chest. And it was like there was a shower head over my head. The sweat was just pouring. And I said, Okay, you know, this something's definitely not right. we well, end up going and getting rushed to the hospital. Where they, you know, put me in the ER and a doctor came in. And I always like to say, you know, I've always had an amazing support system talking about support from my mom, my dad, my step parents. Um, My mom is more nervous. She's the one who, you know, gets gets into a tizzy about a lot of things. Love her to death. But she's nervous. My father's stoic. You don't see emotion out of him. He's very so He came to the hospital at that point, and he was sitting there, and the doctor came over and said, "Um, we're going to take her for a few tests. We have to rule out blood clots. And I remember my father's expression, and he just looked at this female doctor, and he said, she's 24. She doesn't have blood clots. And she said, we just have to rule it out. So they take me for these tests. Um, And you know when you're in the ER, you're in the hospital, it's always a wait. You're always waiting, right? Right. Well, when I went, when I got these tests, it was like they were back before I was back in the room. Um, so the doctor came back in and she came to my father and she said, so what we thought potentially could be the problem is the problem. She has blood clots oh my gosh. and my father picked up his head and I get the chills talking about this and I remember his facial expression and he goes, you said plural oh, yeah. and she goes, we stopped counting at six and he said, what does this mean? And I knew at that point seeing his expression that this was serious. So at this point I was on oxygen. I still, you know, had, was having difficulty breathing. My heart rate was through the roof. And again, I looked to him for that comfort, comfort, excuse me. And I knew that seeing that expression on his face, that, that this was, this was now serious. So the doctor came in, they started me on heparin and moved me to ICU immediately. So again, it was six, they stopped counting at six. One lung was a hundred percent blocked. The other lung was over 80% blocked. Um, so that day, you know, I went through, I had TPA, which is supposed to be the clot busting drug. Um, nothing was making these clots dissipate nothing. So it was that day that my parents had a, very difficult conversation, which was pretty much that they didn't know that there was anything else they could do. So fast forward, um, I end up at Penn. I end up spending forty six days total in a hospital. While at Penn, I had quite a few difficulties. Um, I ended up coding multiple times. Blood pressure would drop. I mean, it was it was a battle. I ended up being um, discharged from Penn after the, they did. They were able to get the clots to dissipate after all that time in a wheelchair. Where, you know, I had lost a lot of my physical strength. I had had some issues, some cognitive issues with speech just because of, you know, the oxygen issue. And there's still a little bit of a a delay. Um, But you'd never know. Like I, you know, I'm able to sometimes work through it. But it was one of those things where, again, talking about a support system. Here I am, 24 years old, a year away from getting married. I need my mom to help me take a shower. I needed my fiance at that point to help me get to the bathroom. Like it was, it was rough. And at that point, also, because of how severe the clots were, they did rule them provoked, which they believe came from the knee surgeries. Yeah.
0: Back then, you knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. You knew you were in pain, you could feel it.
1: So they had said, you know, that another. A potential issue down the line would be possibly not being able to have children because of the fact of, and I'm very open about, you know, that and because of the clotting issue, you know, it was, again, I was 24 years old. I was, you know, and I just had all of this thrown at me. Um, but again, with support, um, my parents, my fiance at that point, we were, I was able to get back to semi-normal. It took a few years, you know, before, but, um, I also had a team locally, Um, you know, Dr. Greenwald and Dr. Baseski were amazing. They worked with me through every process. Uh, They knew I wanted to be a mom and I knew I had to go through and check the boxes, you know, of what I had to do before I could even attempt to become pregnant. And, um, sure enough with that support team, I went through multiple anticoagulation regimens. I got through them with no issues, Um, I was able to, uh, we were able to try to have Jimmy. Luckily we, we got pregnant and, um, I had a wonderful and a healthy pregnancy. Jimmy is going to be five in September. Um, I was on an anticoagulation regimen throughout my pregnancy, um, six to eight months after my pregnancy and have had, thank God, knock on wood, no blood clotting issues since. However, you know, since then I've I've worked with the National Blood Clot Alliance. I've worked locally with folks to raise awareness. Um, a number that you know we hear it's it's astounding is you know 274 people a day die of a blood clot in the United States. That's more than breast cancer, AIDS, and car accidents combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a crazy number, and they number. don't yeah. discriminate. They don't discriminate by age, by gender, by ethnicity. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And you don't realize how many people are affected or have had a blood clot until you start talking to folks. I mm-hmm. mean, even in my closer circle, the folks that have said, oh, yeah, you know, I have a blood disorder. I have a clotting disorder. I've, I've had a clot. And it's like, oh, my, it's crazy, the number. One of the things that I've, I've really promoted over the last seven years is to be your own best advocate to fight when you think something's wrong when you know something's yep. wrong with your body. And don't
0: be dismissed and don't mm-hmm. tolerate somebody just correct pushing you aside and saying, "No, no, I'm the expert, yep.
1: you're not." Yep. Okay. No, absolutely stand up for yourself, advocate for yourself. You know, and if you think something's wrong, talk to your medical professional. If you don't think that they're they're getting to the bottom of the problem, find a new medical professional. Mm-hmm. Find some and again, there's great medical professionals out there. I'm not trying absolutely, to say, but you know, and again, Dr. Greenwald and Dr. Baseski were two of mine. Mm-hmm. I would never have Jimmy without the two of them. I don't think I'd be as healthy as I am without the two of them. They've been amazing to me.
0: Have you had to tweak your lifestyle or do anything because of
1: the blood scars? So, you know, folks always ask. That's one of the questions is um, what, you know, this was so traumatic. Yes. What, are, aren't you scared? You know, and my answer is yes. I'm scared every day. You know, and every single person, you know, slight little pain in my chest or slight little pain in my leg, you know, I think, could that be, could that, and and to be honest, for the first probably two or three years, I called and got checked on every pain on in my chest, every pain in my leg because I was nervous and I've come to the, you know, come to the acceptance that no one after what I went through is going to make me feel guilty for being nervous, no one. So, you know, I would go and I'd get checked and here's the thing, rule it out. Just make sure there's nothing there, you know, and that was, that's the way I, um, that's the way I did that for a couple years. And now, you know, with, with clotting, you have to be active, you have to be moving, you know, um, I've taken up running, you know, I, I, go to the gym as much as I can with travel and everything but mm-hmm. you know um you know eating healthier but just having a you know living a healthier lifestyle in general but yeah moving around is the key
0: and being aware and, and like mm-hmm. you said being aware of of anything off you know we know our bodies yep we can sense it you absolutely know, you, you don't necessarily have to dismiss your gut feeling because your gut talks to you yep you know?
1: no and I you know I look back and I just say to myself if I had the confidence I have now, but also the knowledge I had now, yeah. I would have fought tooth and nail back then to say, I don't care what it takes or who it takes. I need certain testing mm-hmm. or I need to go find somebody else. Um, and again, you know, thank God I'm very comfortable with my team of doctors that I have around me now. And they take very, good very good care Excellent. of me.
0: Do you do you think, and I, I kind of see a parallel is is that your determination and your drive and your confidence, mm-hmm. you know, with your health, but it also goes over into your professional life as well, because you are just on an incredible track. And it's just <laughs> so fantastic to to watch and see what you are doing and see the difference you are making and and just the people that you meet and the people who you come in contact. I mean, it's fantastic. So how? How, you know, this mayor at age 20 now <laughs> working for the governor mm-hmm. and in this new role that you have, what does this entail?
1: Through my, my last role, um, like I said, I, I handled the constituency services and the governmental um, side of things for the governor in those counties. And I also had a large role in running the cabinet near in community initiatives where we brought cabinet level officials into communities across the country, across the country, excuse me, across the Commonwealth um, and we brought these folks there and I felt like I had a, a, a unique perspective on that coming from being a local elected official in a small borough mm-hmm. and seeing that, you know, the Wolf administration wanted to make government work and we wanted to show that the cabinet officials wanted to learn about you know, everything that was going on in these communities and not force the communities to come to Harrisburg. We came to them. And that was something that was really special. And and I had a ball doing that. And I know the feedback we received from across the Commonwealth, we did 37 stops over a year, was amazing. Um, And through that, you know, I had, you know, created these great relationships across the Commonwealth. And um, the governor, uh, again, got great feedback on the cabinet going out into the communities. So my new role which is really exciting and I think about this and I you know I think about my grandfather because my grandfather would be beaming um so I was asked to eventually right now I'm currently special advisor but I will init- I will eventually move over and be executive director of the Pennsylvania Commission for the United States' semi-quincentennial Yes, that's a mouthful. Yes. Um, But what that is, is actually running the Pennsylvania portion for America's 250th anniversary Uh celebration. It'll be in Philadelphia. Um, But one thing that we want to do and something that I think, again, I have a unique perspective on because of my last role was making sure that the entire Commonwealth is included in these celebrations. So America will be celebrating their 250th anniversary um, in 2026. So we will be um, leading up to that. We'll be ha- we'll be doing celebrations and you know different um, projects and such. We have you know we're just getting started, so we don't have yeah, we don't have too much. Um, it's to yes, around, it, it's saying. there's so many moving pieces to yeah. this, and you know our um, the governor appointed our chair, which is Pat Burns out of Philadelphia. Um, so Pat will lead a 24 member commission, which again I'll eventually move over and be the executive director of. Um, and they are they are going to be responsible for handling the Pennsylvania resources and the Pennsylvania portion of this amazing national celebration. And Pat and I were just in D.C. last weekend with the U.S. Commission that's actually run out of the White House. Um, and, you know, there's folks from across the country that have such a vested interest in these celebrations, and they're so passionate. And this, this had to be a passion project. And that's one thing that, you know, before I accepted this, I knew, either it had to be a passion project or it wouldn't work and I've just fallen in love with this and I'm so excited and I'm so excited for you know how we're going to showcase these different regions of Pennsylvania everybody knows this and everybody in Harrisburg knows this but I'm biased I mean I love NEPA yes I will I'm a NEPA uh, yep (laughs) I am a northeastern Pennsylvania girl through and through I always will be Um, more specifically greater Pittston Exeter (laughs) borough um, you know, and any chance I have to show off the Northeast, any chance I have to show off Exeter, greater Pitts and Wyoming area, Kings, I take those opportunities. Um, so I look forward to um, using that passion that I have for the Northeast and creating that, you know, to really show off Pennsylvania.
0: Any ideas what you're going to do so far? I mean, you we, had to have like, oh my gosh, we could do this, we could do this, but, but...
1: What's yeah, you know, we talk head? we talk about doing a lot of things. I mean, we talk about by the legislation that's set. You know, it calls for a Pennsylvania pavilion where oh. you showcase everything Pennsylvania. Right. But you also, you know, in the seventy six um, centennial, they had bicentennial. They had other nations here. They had other states in Philadelphia creating pavilions where they would show off their. You know, and I. According to some numbers, you know, they would expect anywhere from 10 to 15 million people um, to the Commonwealth uh, throughout the year. So there's going to be, I think, some, you know, different sporting events that, you know, may come to Pennsylvania in 2026. Um, There will be probably some, you know, larger parades, um, some larger concerts. Um, but, again, just really bringing America together. It, this, this commission, this celebration is nonpartisan. It's to celebrate every American. It's to celebrate um, everything that we've done, all the accomplishments, all the trials, the tribulations, and bringing us to this ideal. Um, and we are so excited to be sitting at the helm of that and to have the, deci- you know, the ability to make some of those decisions of what we're going to do. And we are going to hold hearings across the state to find out what our everyday Pennsylvanians want to see through mm-hmm. these celebrations. Because, again, we want to hear from the constituents. We want to. Sure, Absolutely. And everybody based on their ethnicity, based on their background, has a different opinion of what and how we should be celebrating. And we want to know that. So we will be holding hearings. And, you know, we appreciate if Folks watch for those and come and let us know, you know, and testify on what they feel this celebration should be. But overall, you know, we just we truly want to bring Pennsylvanians together mm-hmm. to then celebrate where this country's come. It's a loyalty yeah. like no other. Yeah, I say that is. all it's the loyalty. time. It's a it's a loyalty like no other and no matter what you fall and you have 20 people there yep. to pick you up and say, "Okay, what are we doing next?" Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay, let's move on. And move and I have I've said that, you know, and and through my short career, you know, I've said I would never be where I am without my family, but with also without the community i mean again kings Mm -hmm. wyoming area Mm -hmm. the greater you know greater Nepa region to me i mean they have my heart they have always been so supportive of me and so helpful in anything i've ever done um and it's just one of those things where as much as i could give back i want to
0: so what piece of advice um would you give to someone listening um actually two pieces I'll, i'll explain um One, health-wise, to somebody who's listening, Mm -hmm. because you've you've been through it. And the second is someone who wants to get into public service, but maybe is a little hesitant. Um... I'm too young, I'm not qualified, I'm too this, I'm too that, people are going to be mean to me, they're going to dig up all this kind of junk in my back, you know, you know what I mean, like the mm-hmm. ugliness. I want to serve, but I don't want to be involved with that ugliness, that vile that mm-hmm. often happens when you're, when you're running for office.
1: So um, a good friend uh, gave me this advice once, and I, I stick with it, and I think it's great, but wisdom is knowledge acquired over time. Um, And as far as I'll answer both of those, the the health, the health question, again, um, you know your body, you know when something's not right. You need to rely on yourself to be your advocate. And again, don't let anyone guilt you into feeling like you're being annoying, into feeling that you're nuts. Because again, when you have that gut feeling and you're just not feeling right, you know your body. Um, so again, my, my biggest advice there would be just be your own best advocate um, and fight for what you think you need for your own health.
0: Mm-hmm. You have a voice, use it.
1: Absolutely. Um, and as far as getting into government and the good and the bad, Every good and bad experience um, has brought me to where I am today, you know, and here's the thing, um, you know, putting your name out there and I, I respect anybody who puts their name on the ballad good or bad, Um, you know, because it takes courage to put your name on the ballot and put yourself out there. And I, you know, say that over time, it has been so motivating to see so many young folks and people of the next generation come out and put their name on a ballot. Win or lose, But they're fighting because they want a seat at the table. And what I want to say to, you know, to the folks of my generation and even younger to say, don't stop fighting for that seat at the table because we need it. It's important. And, you know, it's important because of folks, you know, and having little now Jimmy's peeking in again, but having, you know, someone at the table who can go and make these policies and make these decisions that are going to eventually affect Children and you know folks like Jimmy. Um, so again, you know, don't stop fighting for that seat at the table. Thank you, Cassandra. And thank um, you.
0: We could, we could go on for some time. <laughs> you're you're just
1: no. Thanks so much. Fantastic. Thank and you. um,
0: best of luck to you, health wise, profession wise. Um, the governor has. He just has the best. And I look forward to learning more about the celebration in Philadelphia.
1: No, absolutely. And I'll come back and we could yeah, chat we when we have more details. Exactly. And absolutely.
0: Awesome. Terrific. Jimmy, you want to say goodbye? Say Hello, Hi. 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 <laughs> How old are you, Jimmy? Four. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.